AVXL episode 191 was recorded on October 6, 2022. Dragons in the dark? Don't adjust your television. It's an artistic choice. Picks for TVs from $650 to $1,500. Windows 11 HDR calibration tools are problematic. And hey, it's been a while. Let's catch up. All that and so much more coming up. Do us a favor, by the way, please. Email us, ask at avxl.com if you've got a question for us. We'll be happy to answer it as quickly as we can. Thanks to everyone that supports us at patreon.com slash avxl. More on that in a moment. Testing one, two, three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Well, Navy Excel, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear, no matter what your budget is. I'm Patrick Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron. I apologize. We have not been recording uh, because I started a new job, which involves an office and a commute and managing all of that and the children and their schooling. It was a little overwhelming. Life, baby. Remember commuting to an office, Rob? Of course, you commute to clients' houses, so it's not like your life is simple. Yeah, I walk into strangers' homes. Traveling three miles, that'll be uh, 45 minutes to two hours on 880 because, Ooh. well, if you've never dealt with traffic in L.A. or Northern California, then you just haven't lived. I'll just say that. And anybody who has is probably snickering right now. Um, <laughs> Understood. But uh, we're back online. If you're a patron, I just want to remind everybody, we did not charge you for August or September. You know, we got to have at least three episodes rolling and a hangout to charge you. So do not worry. You were not charged. Please don't leave us. We swear. And uh, things should be good moving forward, he said, knocking on wood. But uh, we should talk about – there's a bunch of stuff to catch up on, and we're going to do that over this week and next week. But I was uh, – King David 0357 tweeted about something I was thinking about, uh, and his tweet was, For the second time, at Game of Thrones, creators forgot the calibrated 4K HDR projectors and TVs are not the norm, especially when watching a highly compressed streaming source. Too dark, pound House of the Dragon. And uh, if you're not a you know Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon – George R.R. R. Martin television fan. You have no idea what we're talking about. If you watched that episode last week and Driftmark, and that's as far as I'll get into it, um, lest I spoil anybody's cinematic television experience, it was dark. <laughs> it was really dark. I have a decent projector. I mean, it's no you're not going to mistake the, the HDR performance for an OLED TV, but I have, a, I have a fairly solid projector. And it was, you know, a lot of crushed darkness, moving pixel kind of things. And uh, some people complained. And HBO Max Help tweeted back, Hey there, we appreciate you reaching out about a night scene in House of the Dragon, Episode 7, appearing dark in your screen. The dimmed lighting of this scene was an intentional creative decision. Thanks! That might be the one thing where knowing that your display is properly calibrated and you are truly seeing it the way it was intended, you could at least at that point then say, hey, look, uh, it's supposed to look this way. This is it. What's unfortunate, though, is if you have a brand new TV or just a TV that maybe isn't set right. up properly or has a habit of crushing those dark details. And in that case, it could take a scene that's really dark or uh, right. creatively done that way and make it look <laughs> incredibly dark to the point where it's really pulling you out of the content and right. making you go, what the hell? Uh, I can't see anything. And in that case, yeah, that could be very frustrating. Well, if you remember over-compressed audio or over-compressed video in the past, this idea that a lot of detail and resolution gets lost and you kind of go to this smearing of pixels rather than this highly detailed image. 
this is what a lot of House of the Dragon looked like in this episode. There's a lot of things that make it complicated, right? Because you have the artist's vision, it's shot, you know, it's set up to HBO Max's specs, it's streamed. Things start getting complicated when it's streamed, right? Because streaming is going to vary depending on the quality of your connection, your settings inside of an application, perhaps. And of course, as Rob points out, the calibration of your TV, the quality of your TV. We talked about this a bunch with a certain episode of Game of Thrones uh, in its final season where it was like, I literally bought the 4K HDR version of that just so I could see the best possible uncrushed, uncompressed version of that. And it was still awfully dark. And part of me is like, wow, what an artistic decision. Shooting something that's really not going to be enjoyable until, well, two or three or four generations of televisions into the future, right? True. Who cares if we piss off everyone now? And and I don't want to say that's what... Well, actually, that is actually what the director of cinematography kind of said at that point. I am summarizing <laughs> for brevity. Is House of the Dragon actually available in something like Dolby Vision or, or HDR10? Because if not, and it's just available, say, as a, a standard 1080p stream at best in standard right. dynamic range, being a dark scene, that is more difficult, generally speaking, to compress. That could very well just take you right out of it in terms of easier to lose detail. So HBO Max in 4K UHD. Uh, okay. There are titles that are in 4K Ultra HD, HDR10, and Dolby Vision. You know, on select devices, you have to have the ad-free plan. Oh, yeah. You know, 4K UHD is available in HD on all supported devices. I assume they're premium stuff. Yeah, Dune, Elvis, The Fallout, Fantastic Beats, The Secrets of Dumbledore. I'm assuming the you would have the correct plan, of yeah. course, uh, just in order yeah. to experience that firsthand. It's another thing to discuss in the sort of chain of experience here, right? You mm -hmm. have to have a plan that supports 4K UHD. Well, I guess it's the ad-free plan, which I think is everybody who's not getting ads, right? What plans are available? With ads, ad-free. So great. If you if you pay for this, if you have the ad-free plan, you get select movies in 4K UHD. But that's covered, right? Assuming you have the, the ad-free plan. But I... And like I mentioned, too, there are certain brands of TVs that I come across that their default factory calibration does, in fact, uh, and I'm thinking of OLED <laughs> brands in particular. Uh, Sony was the last one I encountered this with, with their... A80J and A90J TVs is that out of the box, even with the correct setting for experiencing something like Dolby Vision or HDR10, it did crush black a little bit in that darkest right. portion of the picture. So if there is detail right there on that line between pure black and coming out of black, this would make it even worse, having a TV that's not configured optimally for that. And on top of it being the artistic intent or choice that the author right. made in terms of making this just a very dark scene. And that, that can be frustrating. I've also experienced it with audio in a sense where yeah. it was done in a certain way so you couldn't intelligibly hear what the voices were actually saying. But right. if you weren't aware of that, you were sitting there repeating it or rolling it back and turning the volume up going, why can't I understand this? <laughs> and it turns out, no, that was just a choice. You, it was supposed to sound muffled or mumbled or however you want to. Yeah, because you're not supposed to. I've been there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know, it, it's funny. If, if you want to get into somebody kind of 
deconstructing this scene with a fairly critical eye. Uh, Catherine Van Aaron Donk, who writes for Vulture, did a really great uh, spiel, a write-up. Why did this week's House of Dragon look so bad? And a couple things come out to this. Is she realized, uh, based on some of the early promotional videos on this show, that the night scenes in Driftmark were actually shot in broad daylight. The darkness was, was basically added. We'll fix it in post. Uh, kind of a moment and that made you know things a little weird i, I like what van orendirk writes um quote i first watched this episode via a screener sent to journalists i found myself baffled by what appeared on screen i assumed it was an unfinished color correction issue which does happen frequently in episodes sent before release for roughly 18 minutes of the hour-long episode i couldn't see a goddamn thing period now, I will say I could see a goddamn thing, but it, in many cases, it was difficult to make out facial expressions. It was people in a room, uh, you know, a room I was familiar with from previous scenes that had been on the show. But I, I get where, you know, she's coming from. And one thing she talked about, it's like, hmm, this is a little beyond the calibration issue with the TV, I think, for a lot of people. And it's it's frustrating, right? Because... Uh, you know, you can ask yourself, you know, are they making this for posterity or are they making it to be enjoyed right now? You know, in 20 years when we all have flawless 10,000 nit OLED televisions that go from actual black to searing your eyeballs and getting a suntan while you're watching something, uh, maybe this will look fantastic. But until then, it, I, I can see where people get really frustrated. Um, totally. It was it was inner. You know, it, it, I will say on the upside, this is not something you run into a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, the sort of chain of custody from, you know, the streaming service to the streaming plan, to the device you have, to the settings on the device, to your television, to your television's calibration, to your television settings can all impact that. This but, is uh, an extreme example. And I yeah. would assume that like other scenes, uh, be it there is a specific scene from the Harry Potter movies that was rather dark. Right. There was, of course, the previous episodes we've just mentioned that people end up using as test cases down the road for looking at how a particular TV will respond to that or a particular video system. It is not the norm, and it, it is one of those things. But if this is something you're yeah. really into, it totally could have been a very frustrating uh, number of minutes of <laughs> what the heck is going on? I will say the the uh, the Lord of the Rings Rings of Power, the most expensive television series in history, up on Amazon.com, does not have issues with brightness. It is very bright and viewable. All right, shifting gears. At uh, Bose tweeted, "Time of year for a new TV." At Patrick Norton, at Robert Heron, need help. Best two TVs, seventy-five inch, under fifteen hundred dollars. T-I-L, that would be Today I Learned, if my internet translation is correct on that one. Uh, what'd you tweet back, Rob? I mentioned, well, after doing some research in terms of finding something in that price point at that screen size, the two that popped up that I would take either one, especially given a $1,500 budget, was the 2022 TCL 6 series and the 2022 Hisense U8H. Both have been recently reviewed. Uh, generally very good reviews. And for either one of those, I think they are both LCD televisions, both mini LED backlit, which implies they should have good, not only dynamic range, but also decent full array local dimming because of that mini LED system. More smaller and bright LEDs in terms of what is the backlighting system behind the screen actually creating the light you see. Today, however, I would say that the Hisense, at least on Amazon, the price jumped up a few hundred dollars. It's currently sitting at hmm. 1900 bucks. So 
if you really have your heart set on that one. And I preferred the Hisense model. One, it's going to give you, I believe, at least 1,500 nits of light output. But in terms of its calibrated quality, if you're into fine-tuning that display, Hisense provides better and more comprehensive controls compared to what TCL does. And however, TCL 6 Series is one of the better gaming TVs you could ask for right now in terms of offering up to 4K 144 hertz support so that is another consideration as well and one other difference between those two particular models uh, the tcl6 series for 2022 does not include an atsc 3.0 slash next gen tuner compared to the hisense u8h which does so if you're over the air potential for viewing 4k digital broadcasts with a relatively affordable antenna is something that's important to you and having that technology built into the TV, then right. it's kind of a no-brainer then. It'd be the high sense. But again, if you're a gamer or you appreciate TCL's use of the Roku OS for its TV controls and that streaming mm-hmm. service compared to Hisense going with Google TV, uh, there you go. There's another difference between those two. Jumping back, at their effective pricing at, say, about $1,500, that's 75 inches of relatively bright, punchy quantum dot colored TVs. And I think that price point for that screen size is fantastic. Cool. Yeah. I've got a follow-up question on this from one of my coworkers here and uh, talk about where here is next week. But uh, uh, looking at 55, 65 inch television picks, uh, it seems like the LG's Evo C2 is still kind of like the, if you don't have an incredibly bright room uh, and you want the best performance, Probably the LG Evo C2, 55-inch uh, version of that costs $1,500. The 65-inch is uh, $1,796, biscuit under $1,800. Uh, check the price. Uh, that's Amazon pricing. Check the price at Costco. Check the price at Best Buy in case anybody's pushing it a little harder. Um, you also said, Rob, that was the best OLED pick for gaming? I think so. If you're looking for OLED TVs, at least compared to someone like, say, Sony or Samsung, Samsung makes a great gaming TV too, but in terms of being feature complete, where it's pretty much every checkbox you could ask for, I really find it hard to beat something like the C2 OLED uh, from LG. The only difference I would say with the C2 series is when you get below 55 inches, I want to say like they're 48 inch, I believe that's the size in the 42 inch, those Mm -hmm. smaller screens do not incorporate the quote unquote brightness booster technology that the 55 inch and larger screen sizes have. So there could be a a light output difference, a slight one, but still there nonetheless. And compared to say the G series or the gallery series for 2022, they have the brightness booster max, which is uh, effectively their best technology in terms of light output from an OLED technology. Uh, Of course, you also have from Sony and Samsung, the QD OLED tech, which is, Mm Pretty phenomenal, but it's really hard to beat for the money, uh, the LG C2 series. And I'm even looking at the 77-inch model right now for the, yeah. the OLED Evo C2, and that's at $2,700 or less. Again, check your local stores, especially Costco. Right. I saw that they have received all of the C2 panels, and that's just a fantastic price and a significant discount uh, for the 77-inch off of its $3,500 right. MSRP. It's probably safe to say that you know there may be price deals on this around Black Friday. 
Um, so I can understand some hesitation on pulling the trigger on that one. You can almost, I would bet good money that after Black Friday, these will do nothing but be painful, more expensive, <laughs> at least through Christmas. Uh, and then, of course, there will be the mad dash to sell off inventory somewhere before, during, or after CES 2023. Um, if you're in a brighter room, looks like the pick at this point is going to be Hisense is UH8. The 65-inch version of that's 1500. The 55-inch version is a grand. And if you just don't have that kind of money for a television, if you can swing uh, uh, 650 bucks, the 55-inch version of TCL 6 series is always solid. And the 65-inch version of that television is coming in at $1,000. Keep in mind, though, that the Hisense U8H was actually, for the 75-inch screen size, the other day was 1500 bucks. So I think the run on the initial camel, shipment camel, camel. has happened, and they've suddenly bumped the price back up because of demand. So unfortunately, uh, the best deal is not currently available, at least, at least through Amazon. Right. So do check it. Always. Always price comparison. Hey, what's going on with uh, Windows 11 HDR calibration? We've had some questions about that. I think you were just more and more frustrated with Windows and its complicated relationship to HDR. <laughs> with the release of the 2022 H2 update that recently came out for Windows 11, they added an HDR calibration tool that you can download separately from the Microsoft Store, I believe, and that was easy enough to install. However, really all that calibration tool does is effectively optimize the dynamic range of your particular HDR PC monitor if you have one. It will detect basically what is its minimum black level, what is its peak bright level, and make sure that all the tone mapping occurs between those levels, which is a good thing. I'm not complaining about right. that particular aspect of it all. But to call that actually calibrating your display is I think stretching it a little bit much <laughs> and looking at the other features available within the monitor settings within windows 11, very little has actually changed in terms of the color profiles. Uh, there is a new tool that allows you to easily select color profiles, but if you have created custom profiles using third-party software, say, those profiles generally won't be listed. They'll, you'll still have to dig into the old school color management tool and manually right. select them in there. And it's very confusing still to be able to go in there and say, hey, I want to make sure that when I'm in HDR mode, I'm using this color profile I have developed. Or if I'm in SDR mode, I want to use this color profile. And I'm still using third-party software to make sure that happens properly. So that part of it hasn't changed at all. But if right. you do want to ensure that your dynamic range and the tone mapping for your particular monitor is as good as it can be with HDR content, uh, do check out that Windows 11 HDR calibration tool. And I was also frustrated that, at least in terms of HDR support for apps, I generally don't want my monitor in HDR mode on my desktop. I prefer to leave right. it in SDR and look at it that way. And some software that I use will automatically detect, even though my monitor for the desktop is an SDR, it will detect that my monitor is HDR capable and provide an automatic switch over to HDR for that particular application and then go right back to SDR for my desktop use. But funny enough, the latest update for Microsoft Flight Simulator, a Microsoft piece of software, does not do that properly. It's like, unless you set your desktop to HDR, it will not set the, the quote-unquote game or the flight simulator to HDR or allow you to do it within the software itself. 
Anyway, I'm going to leave that. frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot that could be done to simplify and condense and clean up things like the use of custom color profiles and just either making it easier or getting the word out that developers of software can say, hey, even right. if the even if Windows isn't using HDR for the desktop, you could still have that be an option to enable within the software itself. And it would be good to see somebody like uh, a, a, an actual piece of software with Microsoft's name on it actually do that properly. Anyway. It's not frustrating at all. No. Yeah. I just want it all. And I want it now. I pity the fool that's actually using one HDR display with a non-HDR display. And then oh. that could also introduce other issues as well. And anyway. That, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's a rabbit hole. A pain, <laughs> a deep and ugly rabbit hole. <laughs> um, speaking of, of calibration and monitors, uh, we've mentioned. Uh, I'm going to mention a number of brands or names we've mentioned. Manufacturers, Data Color X Rite, uh, Data Color Spider X. Not much has changed with them. I don't mean that in a negative way. Just you know, they're out there, they're doing their thing. But something I hadn't realized until I was looking for a particular uh, uh, chart for. Uh, Look, basically, the you know your basic color chart that you point a camera at for calibration, and Xrite has actually transferred all of their tools over to Cal, a company called Calibrite. So I was like, wait, is this is this a cheap Chinese knockoff? What is this? So it turns out uh, Xrite, like you know, their color checker targets um, are now under Calibrite's color checkers, and their uh, uh, i1 display and their iStudio, all their gear, all of Xrite's gear in that genre uh, is all under the Calibrite name. So if you're looking for something and it's Calibrite shows up, just giving you a heads up. Uh, Good to know. I know we all like fantastic color. Uh, there are some new uh, like 98-inch and 97-inch LCDs and OLEDs, like from TCL. Really? Go figure. If you have the room to hold one of these displays or it's like projection just isn't going to cut it, you need an actual display that's going to deal with maybe room lighting or you just need the extra brightness or the contrast mm -hmm. performance in a, in a well-lit environment. Yes, uh, there are 98-inch display options available today and TCL actually has one in their XL collection, the 98-inch class 4K QLED, so you get your quantum dot color, but it's part of their R754 series. And yeah, that's a giant box, people. And I want to say there's a... <laughs> I saw a reviewer on YouTube actually do an unboxing of that display. And it was damn impressive. And not to be uh, outdone, but the good folks at LG from Korea have announced. And I'm not sure if it's available here in the U.S. yet, but it's going to be shortly. But a 97-inch G2, the gallery series, OLED Evo. That will make its debut as well. I don't know what the price of that is off the top of my head. I wanted to say it was like 25000 which, all things considered, is a pretty damn good price uh, for a panel that big for OLED technology, considering where something like that would have been a year or two ago, if it was even possible. It would have been significantly more than that. Right. That's a big piece of glass. If you need a big display... Although I, w I would like to see it 98 inches, I would like to see something in 8K just for the right. additional pixel density at a screen that large. But still. Especially if you're sitting fairly close yeah. to it. <laughs> but at appropriate distances and for a price that, you know, won't totally break the bank. Uh, right. Granted, you could probably do something in projection at a much more affordable price point. But still, you're going to get the brightness and the contrast, in a, especially in a well-lit environment, uh, out of a panel like that. Yeah. 
it's crazy now that we have these uh, large format options for OLED and LCD technology. Terribly, terribly large televisions. Uh, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, uh, Hisense's U8H, the budget brightness king returns and at a very, very acceptable price point. Um, TCL 6 series, the R655, the 2022 version with a mini LED backlight is out. Um, there's a 77-inch QD OLED, at least been unveiled. Um, yeah. What, there's some unusual sizes for that screen. Up to this point, uh, Samsung Display, the makers of the Quantum Dot OLED panels used by Samsung Electronics and Sony, have they are currently only available in 55 and 65 inches. So the first thing everyone wanted to know is, hey, when will something larger be available? That's really the holdback for a lot of people. It's like, right. well, if I'm going to buy this, this incredible display tech, I need it bigger. And Samsung Display has announced a 77-inch version of this display that will be something we will most likely see at CES 2023 come January. And I'm more curious to see how the new blue quantum dot OLED formula is scheduled to be introduced next year. Oh, wow. I kind of doubt that this new 77 inch panel is going to incorporate that new formula. I think this is more of scaling the current technology, which another sign of this larger size would be that their yields are improving in terms of the panels that are produced that are actually good panels and not containing some sort of a defect. But Samsung Display has announced that they are coming up with a new blue OLED <laughs> formula for their next-gen quantum dot OLED displays that should oh, wow. offer even greater performance. And I'm more curious just to see, is perhaps that new 77-inch panel going to incorporate that? Well, we'll find out in a few months come, uh, come CES. We will find out. Uh, Rob made a, a good observation that low-cost 2022 models from TCL and Hisense are popping up in the usual places. So if you're looking for a bargain TV or if you have an RV or an office TV or don't tell me about your bathroom TV or if you want to tell me about it, ask at avxl.com or if you have any other questions, you're always welcome to email ask at avxl.com. Totally. Uh, we talked a lot about the Hisense 8 series and the TCL 6 yeah. series. That's kind of on that budget performance level. But if you step back right. like to the TCL 5 or 4 series, there are plenty of good low-cost options that are available. And in the case of Hisense, they have a, a 7 and a 6 series that are good, very affordable options as well. And don't feel bad because today's $400 television is two years ago, $800 television. I exaggerate slightly, but not by much. And don't feel bad if you can't see the dragons. And if you were on a properly calibrated OLED or other television and you could see the dragons, tell us about it. Email acidavxl.com. Hey, and a, a quick shout out to, uh, to uh, and a thank you to Scruffy and Daniel Na for the heads up on some domain name issues we were having with avxl.com. That's sorted. And Scruffy, I want to know more about those speakers in that picture you sent. I'm just going to leave that there. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to our patrons. Um, I apologize for the the slimness of the content supply, but uh, we're going to be hot and heavy in October and moving forward into the holiday shopping season. And do us a favor, like I said, email askedavxl.com. And a big, 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 big shout out to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash avxl. Your support makes the podcast possible. And we appreciate you. And keep an eye on uh, your email or at patreon.com slash avxl because we'll schedule an October hangout very, very soon. Yeah. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Patrick Norton. I am Robert Heron. We'll catch you next week on AVXL.